Well, good morning. There are so many reasons that I love our church. I love being a part of this body of believers. And one of them is that this church serves. This church is always serving. You guys are always serving. And I love to be able to serve alongside you. We had a soccer camp this week. And uh, if you know anything about me, you know, number one, I know nothing about soccer. There is nothing that I could be farther from than knowledge about soccer, but we have some incredible people who do, including the Martins and many others who came and they invested in this camp uh, and students came and they, they ran the camp because I don't know anything about soccer. I made sure there were snacks and they ran everything else and it was great. And uh, the kids just loved it and uh, the students were the ones leading and I was so proud of them. They were coaches, they were, um, they were sharing God's word, they were teaching the children about the Bible and uh, what God has to say for them. They were leading worship. They were out there moving cones and chasing soccer balls and all of that. It was a lot of fun. And so if you see any students around, tell them thank you for serving and making that happen. We also yesterday had work day. Work day is the day. It is the day that we compile all the projects that nobody wants to do and we get you somehow to show up. Usually it's the donuts and you do these projects and complete them. One of my favorite things, by favorite, I mean least favorite, is the the prayer garden weeding. We had to weed the prayer garden, so there were people doing that. We're so thankful for them. Uh, We even had our uh, our man here taking care of business, working harder than anybody else. We had people painting here in the sanctuary, uh, and we also had uh, people up on ladders. Nobody fell, so that was great. We're thankful for that. And uh, they were changing ceiling tiles, all that. So thank you, church, for serving and always being about serving. And uh, that's one reason I love the church. There's another reason. There's many, but today I'm going to talk specifically about the fact that our church is a church that is surrounded and uh, focused in on the Word of God. I love that so much. Do you know how rare that is to find a church that is so focused on the Word of God? We don't have any other authority. The Southern Baptist Convention does not tell us what to do. We are an autonomous church that uh, is a part of that convention to fulfill the Great Commission, but there is no church above us telling us what to do. You know what tells us what to do? The Word of God tells us what to do, and I love that so much. There's uh, no man that has authority over our church but God himself, and uh, one of the great things that happened in history that really was difficult, was tumultuous, was the Reformation. In the, back in the 1500s and even earlier and later, all throughout the world, there was a reformation where they were trying to reform the church to come back to its uh, focuses, meaning faith alone, grace alone, by Christ alone. Uh, these doctrines had kind of been uh, diverted away and had kind of been lost a little bit. And so there was not direction. And really all that stemmed from the fact that they weren't focusing on scripture alone. They were focusing on scripture and human tradition, which led to this major problem of completely missing the mark of Christ and obeying Christ, and that's why the Reformation happened. Uh, I was talking to one of my friends here in the church who's a pilot, and I I ran this by him. I saw it online, and I was like, I want to make sure this is true, so I asked him. He said uh, that it is true that pilots, they have a a special rule where they kind of have a general way of knowing how far they'll miss a target Uh, if they're off by one degree. What they say is that if they're off by one degree among the 360, just one is off, they will miss their target if they're going from LAX to JFK by 60 miles. 
You might be a little upset if you're a passenger on that plane. You show up and you are in the country instead of in the city. And I think that many of us, maybe even in this room or watching online, and I know many churches all throughout our nation may seem like we're really chasing down the right path and going to Jesus, but I'm concerned that some of us may be off by one degree, off just a little bit, and that's just enough to send us off course, off of our destination by 60 miles. I don't want that to be true for us, but that's why we focus in on the word of God. It is our navigation system so that we are never off track. We chase after the word of God. We seek God's heart in his word, and we know the heart of God as we chase after him. Today, we're talking about scripture alone, and I want you to open up with me to Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 13. We're going to today talk about uh, how some people in the Bible got really close, but they missed their target by 60 miles. And let's not make that same mistake. When you get there, we're going to start in verse 1. There'll be words on the screen if you don't have a Bible. Uh, and if you do need one, then we'll make sure you have one. Just come and ask me after. Now, when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes, so we had these religious leaders and we had the scholars of the day who had come from Jerusalem. They saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled. That means that they were not washed properly. For the Pharisees had all the Jews uh, and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition, notice that word, tradition of the elders. That word's going to pop up a few more times. Verse 4, and when they came from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the what? Tradition of the elders and eat with undefiled or with defiled hands. Verse six, and he said to them, well, did Isaiah prophesy you hypocrites? He's like, Isaiah, I've seen it all in the Bible somewhere and it's in Isaiah. He said of them, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your, what? Tradition. Jesus is lighting them up. And he says, you have exchanged the word of God. And he even shows them an example of how they have exchanged the word of God for their own tradition. And they do this a lot. And you know, these Pharisees, they were the religious people that seemed like they were right on course. Unfortunately, they missed heaven by 60 miles. They were looking at Jesus in the face, and they missed that he was the Messiah prophesied in Isaiah 53. They completely missed him. And today, I want us to not miss Jesus. You know, there's this word the Bible's called in uh, the Greek, and it's uh, called canon. And it was translated into Latin, and we even use the word sometimes, and some scholars use it. And the Bible is called the canon of the scriptures because it's a bunch of the Bibles, or a bunch of the, the scriptures all put together, and it is the rule by which we follow life. It is not a gun, <laughs> it is a measuring stick, is what that Greek word meant. The measuring stick, the measuring rod to know what is true. 
The word of God is what we uh, measure ourselves, our lives, our hearts with to make sure that we are following God. Now, you can be off by just a, a centimeter and completely ruin the cut. Am I right? Like some, some of us, uh, if you're like me, have thought, no, I got this. I don't need to measure twice and cut once. I'm just going to measure once and cut once. And every time I somehow mess it up. And it's because I'm not measuring closely. But I think we need to be people who see our life and measure it to the word of God. And we, we need to see, does my life measure up to what God has said? Now, not only my life and my morals and those things like that, but does my heart measure up to what God's word has to say. We need to be a people that is so close to God's word that whenever our beliefs, maybe people start saying, well, well, there's many ways to God. There's many ways. Well, we know because we're close to God's word that that's not true. There's only one way. That's through Jesus. Faith in him alone is the only way because the Bible tells us that. When we see uh, the scriptures, we can measure what is true from what is false. Scripture, John Stott says, is the royal scepter by which King Jesus governs his church. This is how Jesus governs us. Not through a council, not through even church leadership, but through the word of God. And it's a beautiful thing. Now, we need to know what scripture does and what it does in our hearts and our lives, why it's so important. Well, Scripture addresses our hearts. Scripture addresses our hearts. Aren't our hearts wicked and messed up? Don't we lie to ourselves all the time? Our hearts are not very trustworthy. At least mine isn't. I need something to help address my heart problems. God's word, when I read it, jumps out at me and changes my heart. It addresses my sin in my life. Scripture addresses our hearts. You may have read a lot of books. Some of y'all in here, like you have a library, you're, you know, maybe you're a librarian. You've got all sorts of books. Listen, you've never read a book that reads you until you've read the Bible. This book reads you. It changes you. It molds you to be more like Jesus and change your heart. Hebrews 4.12 even tells us that for the word of God is living and it is active. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. If you can't understand your heart, you open God's word and he'll help you understand it. God's word also liberates us from sin. It liberates us from sin. This is beautiful. Psalm 119, verse 11, David's crying out. He says, I have stored up your word where? In my heart that I might not sin against you. If you've got a sin struggle, which all of us do, start memorizing scripture. Start hiding it in your heart. Keep it close to you so that whenever the temptation comes, you're ready to quote scripture to yourself and get yourself out of that because you redirect your, uh, your mind, your heart from temptation and sin to righteousness and following God. So it liberates us from sin. Scripture also obliterates lies. I love this. Scripture obliterates lies. We live today in a world of lies. I just look at, at Facebook, I look at Instagram, I look at Twitter, and I'm thinking, these people are lying. <laughs> There's lies everywhere. But it's really hard to know what a lie is if there's no standard of truth to compare it to. 
We need to open God's word and ask him, God, what do you have to say to me? What is true? Because your word is truth. In Hebrews 17, 17, it says, sanctify them in, your, uh, in, your, in truth. Your word is truth. In fact, I think that's John 17, 17. So we need to be people who have our lie, uh, the lies that we believe in our hearts obliterated by God's word. You know, there's so many today. And even you think of the big controversies today about marriage. Is it between one man, one woman for life? You think about abortion. You think about all these things, these hot topic issues that we wrestle with. And yes, there are lots of nuances and things like that. But you know what never changes? What God has said about these things. We can know what is true and what is a lie based off God's word. It obliterates lies and I love this, it never changes. God's word never changes. Man, our culture changes, doesn't it? You wake up every morning, it seems like you're in a new place. It's just changing every day. But you know what never changes? God's word never changes. I've been reading it my whole life. Well, really, ever since I got saved at 13, I've been reading it carefully then, and I've never seen it change. I went to school to learn Greek and Hebrew, and I saw that it didn't change. And they just found these new uh, scrolls. And I promise you, once they, uh, they study those, the word of God will not change. It's a never-changing book in an ever-changing world. Isaiah 40 uh, verse 8 tells us that the grass withers and the flower fades, but what the word of our God will stand forever because our God stands forever. And what he said is true and will outlast even time itself. Do you have something, a truth? Do you have uh, faith in something that will outlast your culture, will outlast the way you think? Because it is not from man, but from God. Man, God's word, scripture is amazing. And then our, it, finally, scripture alone equips God's servants. Scripture alone, it addresses our hearts. It liberates us from sin. It obliterates lies. It never changes and it equips God's servants. If you feel under-equipped, man, I, I feel this all the time. Uh, one, of my, one of my favorite mentors, he always says, you know what evangelism is? It's two nervous people talking. It, it's two, two people who are terrified talking to each other. Man, you're terrified because you're about to go share the gospel with someone that you don't know if they're going to spit at you or what. And that person's like, what is happening to me right now? And then guess what? When you walk away, you always are blessed every time. Whether they come to know Christ or whether they, uh, they simply say, I'm going to learn more about this, you win because God is uh, working in your heart, in your life. Scripture equips you. If you feel under-equipped, First off, be obedient and just go do it. But second, study God's word to know what is true. There's scritures that, that uh, I've been memorizing and just kind of go into my head and swirl around in there. And, and I ask God whenever I'm starting to talk to someone, God, what would you have me to tell them? And one of those scriptures will come to mind. And bam, it's that scripture perfect for them. It's beautiful how God's word equips us to follow him and serve him. God's word equips servants. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, it tells us that all scripture is breathed out by God. It is profitable. By the way, this is important, all scripture. It's not saying half of the book. It's saying all the book. It's not saying parts of it. It's saying all of it. 
Either take the scriptures or leave them. We can't be halfway in, halfway out. They are fully true and fully trustworthy. So all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be completely equipped for every good work. God wants to equip you. And it starts by opening his word. When was the last time you got equipped? When was the last time it addressed your heart, liberated you from sin, obliterated lies in your life? Because it never changes. You can trust it. You know, I love Billy Graham. I love Billy Graham. Uh, And he always said, the Bible says, if the Bible is so true, we need to look at why these Pharisees missed Jesus. You know, they had created their own way to salvation. They had said that you can do all these good things and earn your way to heaven. That's what the Roman Catholic Church did as well, and still to this day continues to do, saying if you have faith and works, you can earn your way out of purgatory into heaven. Well, there's only one way to salvation, and it's found in the Bible. This is God's word that tells us how we can know him and have a relationship with him. This is his love letter to us. Billy Graham always said, the Bible says, because he didn't want people to go around saying, you know, Billy says. Because guess what happens to Billy? Billy passed away. Billy was not sinless. You know, I I don't want people to, to say, well, Hunter says. I'm messed up just like everybody else. But if we point people to what the Bible says, you may think, oh, Hunter, you're just a Bible thumper. Listen, the Bible has power. The word of God has power to change hearts. We've seen it through these previous scriptures. But the Pharisees, they were more focused on their tradition. I think I saw tradition pop up five times throughout this. And they were so focused on that human tradition that they missed the word of God. And not only that, they missed the word of God standing in front of them, Jesus Christ himself. There's two things I think we should start living by and and running our minds through. And that is, the Bible says, so I believe, number one. The Bible says, so I believe. And man says, so I doubt. Man says, so I doubt. The Bible says, so I believe. Well, what does the Bible say about salvation? How you can have a relationship with God and go to heaven one day. One of the the best ways to know if someone has uh, the right way of knowing if they have a relationship with God is found in the Bible is if you ask this old school question, and sometimes old school things stick around because they're really good. And this old school question is, if you were to die today and you were to enter eternity and Jesus were standing there, King Jesus, and there's, there's a gate behind him and he were to say, why should I let you in this gate into heaven? What would you say? What would you say? I've asked this question dozens of times, maybe hundreds of times. And probably 90% of the time, even with people who say they're Christians, the answer is, well, because I was a good person. Because I, I didn't do as much bad as, as other people did. They start comparing and pointing fingers. Well, because I, I was not like them. Because I went to church. Because I prayed. Because I read the Bible. Because I gave and tithed or whatever. They think that they can earn their way to salvation which tells us they don't have it at all. The only way someone can go to heaven is by trusting, by faith alone in what Jesus has done for them. The right answer sounds more like this. You come up to those gates. Jesus is standing there. Why should I let you into heaven? And you say, because you, 
Because you, Jesus, lived a perfect life after leaving your heaven to come to this dinky little earth and be born in a manger and live a life of a Galilean carpenter perfectly without sin. And then you died on a tree suffering for my sin. And not only that, you rose again three days later to show that you were God and you could forgive my sin. And I have trusted in you, and it's all you, nothing of me. I love you, Jesus, and I trust you completely with my eternity. That's why I believe I should be in heaven, not because of me, because of you. And when we say yes to Jesus in that way, we completely trust in what he has done for us. That's where everlasting life is found. So when we live our lives and are asked, why do you live the way you live? Why do you believe the way you believe? We should quote Billy Graham, and say, the Bible says, so I believe. That means that we have some hard work to do because it means we have to let go of every other authority. You see, these Pharisees, the ones who, who nailed Jesus to a cross or who had Jesus nailed to a cross, these ones who rejected him completely as the Messiah, as God's son, they were holding on to their human authority they were holding on to what they had invented instead of what God's word said. And if they would have just let go of their tradition and trusted in God's word alone, they would have seen God's word and trusted in him alone. We need to let go of any authority. Uh, I've got a trash can. It's not my trash can. It's actually from Miss Julie. Miss Julie uh, is one of the best. I mean, she's absolutely incredible. And she always lets me steal her stuff. So I grabbed this trash can for a sermon illustration. She was gracious enough to let me have it. Uh, and, and I think that a lot of times we have a trash can in our life, and we would say, you know, there's certain things that I don't mind throwing into the trash can. There's certain things that don't bother me. Uh, you know, I love telling people about Jesus, and one of the people I love telling people about Jesus is the Mormons, the Mormon church. I actually got this book from some Mormon missionaries. And uh, they gave it to me and asked me to read it to see and then to pray and ask God if the Book of Mormon were true. And uh, I did not do that. I, I, I read it, but I already had uh, not another testament. I had the testament of Jesus Christ. And so I knew that this is a lie. So I, in my mind, I said, okay, as I'm reading this, I already have the truth, the infallible, inerrant, perfect, fully true, and fully trustworthy word of God. I can read this and study it so I can help understand them. But in my own heart, it's going in the trash. It does not belong in my heart. It belongs in the trash can because it's a lie. And we would probably say, yeah, of course. Yes, lies like that, saying that, that Jesus is God's brother or is Satan's brother and Jesus is not God's son. He's actually, uh, he's God's son, but he's really uh, not God himself. He, he's just a demigod, you know, all that. We know that's not true. But you know what's a lot harder to do? Man, I find this hard because I got some opinions. I don't know about y'all. I got some opinions. There are things that sometimes get put above God's word in our lives, authorities, beliefs, philosophies that go, go above God's word in our lives. And maybe you can identify with this. Maybe you're saying, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Hunter, you're stepping on my toes. Listen, if you know more about a political ideology than you know about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, then you got it wrong. 
If you know more about a position of a politician instead of what Jesus Christ is going to do in his new kingdom, with his politics and his position, then you got it wrong if you talk more on Facebook about this and fight like this instead of telling people about the one who can save them from their sin, then we've got it wrong. And in our hearts, I'm not saying politics is, is necessarily bad. We have a, all as Christians have a responsibility to be a part of this system, but we are not, we are not defined by it. We are defined by Jesus. So in our hearts, we can put that right there and say only God's word, only God's word stands in my heart as my authority. So we need to hold God's word close to our hearts. Take God's word and hold it close. It's not just a book. It is powerful. It will change you. Hold it close to your heart and let it change your heart. In Psalm 119.11, that verse I mentioned earlier, I've hidden your word in my heart so I might not sin against you. That is a daily thing. You know, I love student ministry. I feel bad for all the other pastors on staff because they don't have nearly as much fun as I do. And uh, I love student ministry. One of the things I love is how many weird things I learn about. <laughs> like there's so many weird things out there. Uh, one of the things is spirit animals. Uh, kids will be like, hey, yeah, I got this spirit animal. They'll see a panda and go, that's my spirit animal. And they're relating to it, you know, saying, I want to be the, as calm as that, that panda. Well, I think some of us may not have spirit animals. I don't. Uh, if you do, I'm not judging, but whatever. Uh, I do think that we have sometimes spiritual animals. I think sometimes we spiritually act like a bear. We go and we go to God's word and we eat a bunch. We eat it up for Sunday morning. We're here. We're hearing God's word. It's great. We eat it up and then we go and hibernate. We go and hibernate the rest of the week until Sunday comes around again, or maybe uh, until every other week, until the next Sunday comes around again. Maybe we're like a camel, a spiritual camel who goes to the living water, and we dip our mouth, and we start gulping it in just to store it in our cistern on our back, and we think we can do that, but you know what happens to people when they try to act like bears and camels? They die. <laughs> it doesn't go well. We need to eat every single day. We need to drink water every single day. You need to spend time in God's word every single day. If it's not built into your schedule, it's not gonna happen. And as you allow the word of God, maybe a daily devotional time where you intentionally spend time with God in his word, you will see your life transform, your day transform, your heart change. So we need to hold God's word closely every day, not being spiritual bears or spiritual camels, but every day spending time with God and his word. And we need to hold God's word closely, but we also need to hold every other belief loosely. We need to hold it with an open hand. Every other belief that you and I have, we need to hold loosely. We need to be willing for God's word to knock it out of our hands if he has to because it's not that important as compared to what his truth is. So let go of every other authority. Hold every other belief close, uh, loosely. Colossians 2.8 tells us, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Let every other thing be held open. Your philosophies, the way you think, all of it, the Pharisees in this, this passage of Scripture did not do that. 
They held their tradition so close and God's word so loose that they lost complete sight of God himself. I want to land our plane today by making this, this bold statement that accepting God's word starts with accepting God's son. John 1.14 tells us that the word became flesh and it dwelt among us. That Jesus himself came from heaven to earth, that God's word, the truth, the word that was in the beginning, you know, the word in Genesis chapter one that spoke all things into existence by the word of his power, that was Jesus the son. That was God the son. That word became flesh and dwelt among us. And it's that word that gives us salvation. The Pharisees rejected God's word. They followed their own traditions and it led them to to miss Jesus by 60 miles. Oh, would you not miss Jesus by 60 miles? There was this this guy, he he probably won the smartest man of the the year award. His name was Danny. (laughs) Danny decided I don't have enough money. I got all these problems in my life. I'm going to rob a bank. How many of y'all have ever thought about robbing a bank? Cops, are y'all watching? No. <laughs> but he decided, I'm going to rob a bank. He walked in with the 1911 pistol. He walked up to the bank teller. He robbed the bank. And then, after he robbed the bank, he ran out of uh, the doors and discovered that silent alarms are a thing. And the cops arrested him. He went to prison. And he went to prison for quite a while. But what Danny didn't know is what was in his hand. That 1911 pistol was a very, very early um, model of the pistol. It was used in, in a war. It had all the, all, there was all this history to it. And it was appraised to be worth, in some cases, up to $100,000. If Danny would have just known what he was holding in his hand, he never would have robbed the bank. He never would have sinned like that. And I'm afraid that many of us have questions. We have pains. We have hurts in life, much like Danny, not having a, enough money. But we, what we don't realize is what's in our hand. We need to realize what we have in our hand when we hold the word of God. Can I get you to do something with me? I know we're Baptists, but I want to get you to do something real quick. Uh, if you have a Bible, would you hold it up real quick? If you have a Bible, that's a phone Bible, you can hold that up too. <laughs> it, it counts. Would you look and see what you have in your hand? The Word of God, living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing deep into our hearts, cutting cancer of lies out, giving us hope, giving us truth. God's Word is so beautiful, but we need to trust the author. Unlike the Pharisees who missed him, We need to trust the author. And we can do that by living according to God's word alone. If you open God's word, you want to seek God, you'll find him. You will find him when you seek him with all your heart. And today, you can trust the author, the one who wrote the Bible. He came from heaven to earth. That story I told you, his name was Jesus. He died the death you and I deserve. He rose again three days later, and today, he is calling you and calling me to trust in him even more. And maybe you have never trusted in him. There's many of us in this room or watching online who have never accepted Christ and said, I want you to be my personal Lord, my personal Savior. I trust you. And today's your day. Today's the day 
that you stop trusting in other human traditions and you start trusting in God's son, which he can, he can be found here in God's word. Start trusting in Christ alone by trusting in scripture and what scripture says alone, not any other authority. So in a second, as we have our response, I want you to know that every week we invite you to come, to walk down these aisles, to come and meet one of us and talk to one of us. And what, what it's not is a religious tradition, okay? It's not what we're doing. This is a time for you to respond to God's word. And I don't care if you need to come and know Christ for the first time, so you come and make that decision, and we'll celebrate it, we'll baptize you, we'll, we'll celebrate that decision. Or maybe you need to choose to be baptized for the first time. Maybe you were baptized as a baby, which is not the way the Bible says to be baptized. And so today you need to be baptized out of your own will, with your own decision. You can do that today. And maybe you're in here and you would say, I am doing life alone. I need help. I need other people to help me understand God's word and follow it better. That's the whole point of why we're here. You need to join our church. It's not our church, it's his, it's his church. Come join his church. Don't go another day going down this road alone. And maybe you just need prayer. You need someone to come and pray with you. That's what we're here for. So can I start by praying for you right now? And then we'll respond to God's word. Lord.